Hello Pittsburgh Steeler fans and welcome to another podcast of Pittsburgh, a voice from across the pond. I'm Owen, the Macamienza, your host here today, um, talking more all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to welcome every single person across Steeler Nation listening to this podcast now, whether you be in Europe, in the UK, in Canada, in America, in Asia, in Australia, like my boys, Matty Peverell and Marky D, top boys on BTSC, give their show Touchdown Under a Listen, it's quality. Um, New Zealand, wherever you are around Steeler Nation, welcome. If you're a diehard black and gold, if you're a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan, then this show is for you, because I love all things Pittsburgh Steelers, and any Steeler fan is a friend of mine. So today, what are we going to talk about today? Well, it's the off-season, obviously. Uh, the AFC Championship Games and the NFC Championship Game happened on Sunday. Um, and I am afraid to say that um, both teams didn't lose in the Chiefs-Bengals game. That was, for, that was what I was hoping for, was for both teams to lose, because I can't stand Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and I can't stand the Bungles and Joey Bungle. Unfortunately, the Bungles won and the Bungles progressed to the Super Bowl. Um, in the other game, the LA Rams uh, squeaked past the San Francisco 49ers. I think if the 49ers had had a half-decent quarterback, they could have easily progressed to the uh, Super Bowl. Um, so I think that's a bit of an outlier there that we don't really want Jimmy G in um, in Pittsburgh. He is a very average quarterback and a bit of a choke merchant when it comes to the big game, like he did in the Super Bowl um, two to three years ago against the Kansas City Chiefs, and like he did again on Sunday against the Rams. I really don't think that that guy is up to the job. I don't think Bill Belichick would have traded him away if he'd thought he was a real successor to Tom Brady. Um, Other news, obviously, is um, that the... um, Bengals, therefore, will play the LA Rams in the Super Bowl. And I'm shocked to hear that some Steeler fans are actually thinking of rooting for the Bengals in the Super Bowl because they are a fellow AFC North team. Um, Personally, I could never root for the Bungles. Um, They're an AFC North rival. Um, Here in England, we have sort of an unwritten rule that we don't root for our rivals, no matter what. Um, even Even when we're playing in European competitions against foreign teams, we still root for the foreign team over... Uh, the English team, if it's one of our big die-hard rivals, it just isn't done. You cannot do it. You know, personally, I could never ever root for the Cleveland Browns. I could never root for the Dallas Cowboys, the clear the Cincinnati Bengals, the Baltimore Ravens, or the New England Patriots. All teams I cannot stand and will never root for. So personally, I hope that the Rams, uh, with all their star power they have, you know, Jalen Ramsey, OBJ, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald. Um, Matt Stafford all that Von Miller all that talent I hope they give the Bengals a serious shellacking in that Super Bowl Mm -hmm. and the uh, Bengals come away very very embarrassed Um, you know I think you've just got to look back across history at what the Bengals have been and how the Bengals have been towards us any Steelers fan that thinks the Bengals would root for us in a Super Bowl um, as part of some sort of AFC North solidarity I think you're living in a fantasy world a dream world it ain't ever going to happen trust me they hate us and they ain't ever going to root for us then you've got the um all the uh, the terrible towel abuse from people like um, Hushman Zada. You've got 
the fact that when Ben was taken off injured on a cart in Cincinnati, they were throwing trash and beer cans at him. Um, I just don't, I can't stand their fans. I don't like their team. I don't like their colours they wear. I just don't like them full stop. So I could never, ever root for them. Other news, it was confirmed today that Tom Brady um, was going to re- is going to retire after 22 years in the NFL. Typical Tom, once again, trying to steal Ben's thunder. Um, you know, I've actually, I've been watching some highlights of Ben's career recently. Um, and looking at you know the 18 years of ben and one thing that i've really you know come to realize i haven't looked back and really evaluating what i've watched for the last 18 years raw talent wise brady cannot hold a candle to ben ben has had a better arm he could run with the ball better he was more physical um he was stronger he i think he was just an all-round all round better quarterback than Brady. Yes, Brady won seven Super Bowls and was MVP several times. Um, and you know, everyone's going to say that Brady is the GOAT. But in my opinion, Ben, talent wise, was a better quarterback than Brady in just sheer talent wise. You know, obviously, Brady retires after uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lost in the divisional round to the LA Rams. Um, and it'd be weird next year, obviously, having no uh, Brady in the NFL. You know, I've got a grudging respect for the man. Um, yes, you know, for, for the seven Super Bowl wins, the MVPs, and all the other things, and the fact that he played till he was 44 years old, so he's, you know, a year older than me. Um, so, some grudging respect. And obviously, this day dealt, obviously, will go down in NFL history as the day that the so called alleged GOAT retired from the game. But in my opinion, Ben will always be my QB. Um, ben is my QB one. Ben, in my opinion, is raw talent wise, is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. There you heard it. Ben is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. Um, obviously, this will make uh, five years' time. Ben versus Tom going into the Hall of Fame at Canton, Ohio. A very interesting thing. Whether they both go in together or whether one of them, probably Ben, because that's how Brady rolls, gets knocked off that first ballot because of Brady. Um, maybe he can cheat his way into the Hall of Fame um, the same way he did it, like, for instance, with Deflate Gate. Um, maybe, allegedly. Um, anyway, if, if they do both go into the um, Hall of Fame in 2027, then maybe the Hall of Fame game should be the New England Patriots versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, it would be a very apt game to have um, as, as a sort of precursor of the um, Hall of Fame ceremony when Ben and Brady go into the Hall of Fame. Maybe. Who knows? Um, what else has been happening this year, this week in the NFL and in Steeler Nation? Well, in terms of other things, Josh McDaniels has been hired as the Las Vegas Raiders' new head coach. That'll be an interesting one to see what the Patriots will do offensively now. Now they haven't got their offensive guru, especially given that Belichick obviously is more a defensive mind. Anyway, turning back to our Pittsburgh Steelers. So, Steeler Nation, one of the biggest things we need to address over this very massive offseason, and I wrote an article the other day that I put onto my Facebook group, um, put a link on Twitter to it as well. I talked about this being one of the biggest offseasons in living memory for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So many things to do, so many appointments to make, so many decisions to make. You know, 22 free agents that we've got to look at. Who are we going to keep? Who are we going to cut? Who are we going to let go? That's the first decision we've got to make. You know, free agents that include the likes of Terrell Edmonds, Joe Hayden, Joe Schobert, 
Um, players of that calibre on that list, many, many others, Ray Ray McLeod and many, many others. But not only that, you've got the situation where we're going to need a new GM after the draft. Now, it's been announced that Kevin Colbert is retiring after the next draft. And whether that be Brandon Hunt or Omar Khan or somebody from the external, we'll have to wait and see. We also still need to appoint our new defensive coordinator, whether that's Terrell Austin or whether we still, or whether we go external with the likes of Chris Richard um, and Patrick Graham, who have been talked about being interviewed for the position. Not only that, but obviously we've got a lot of rebuilding to do around our O-line and our line ben's gone end of ben end of the year with ben going so that means that obviously we've got a situation where we need a new quarterback um and as michael beck on live mike on btsc mentioned um, in his brilliant podcast the other day he said that teams with average and poor quarterbacks don't win jack and that's accurate it's true unless you've got a top eight quarterback a top 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 talent you aren't going to win the super bowl um you aren't going to win anything you know you look we're talking quarterbacks of the caliber of patrick mahomes joe burrow matt stafford um players of that talent you know russell wilson aaron Rodgers, ben roethlisberger and his best tom brady at his best people like that and with the greatest respect to mason rudolph i just can never see him getting to that top eight that top five status and actually be in a position to compete with the likes of mahomes josh allen um at the moment so anyway moving on so one of the biggest things for me going forward now is rebuilding our defensive line our defensive line could go one of two ways in this off season there's going to be a big 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 question mark over it a lot depends around what happened happens with tyson alu and stefan to one of the biggest reasons why we struggled defend to defend the run this season was the lack of Alualu and to it. A lot of the runs, if you look at it, was up the middle, right up the gut, where Alualu, Alu, and then to some extent to it would have been to stop that run. The other issue around it was that obviously the inside linebackers in Joe Schober and Devin Bush struggled because their offensive linemen were able to get into that second level, get into the linebackers. And with the best will in the world, Devin Bush and Joe Schobert are not of the sufficient size nor strength to take on O-linemen. Okay, they're much more quick, fast, um, coverage type, line to sideline to sideline linebackers. They're not Vince Williams style thumpers. They're going to tear at the middle, take on O-linemen and pancake them. Obviously, as well, having to it on the side of TJ Watt, could you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine when you've got TJ Watt, 22 and a half sacks, and that's with without the, the man of the talent of Stefan Tuit. Stefan Tuit is a sack machine as well. You know, the guy had a career year in 2020. I think it was 11 sacks that he got. Um, I'll speak a bit more about his stats shortly. But if he'd be on that side of the line and you've got them having to worry about Tuit and Watt, could you imagine the havoc that would have been caused? You know, yes, we've led the league in sacks, but my God, we could have hit 60, 70 sacks with the likes of Tuit there. You know, offensive linemen and Titans worrying about Tuit and suddenly TJ Watt's in there. Then both all worrying about TJ Watt and suddenly Tuit's in there to sack. So, big thing. Now, what is happening with Stefan Tuit? Stefan Tuit did not play one single game in the 2021 season. And again, there is a lot of rumours and mystery around the reasons for that. Was it because... His brother was killed in a tragic hit and run accident over the summer in his hometown. Or was it a knee injury? Who knows? When Tuit came back to training camp after the death of his brother, he did a lot of 
of solo drills and worked alongside TJ Watt on the sidelines whilst TJ Watt was negotiating his new contract. He then spent the entire season on the injured reserve and did not participate in any way, shape or form in this season. Not one single snap. Into when he's interviewed the other day in his usual end of season interview, um, Art Rooney II said that we will be evaluating the situation with Stefan, having discussions with Stefan in the next few weeks. Then hopefully we can say something more definitive and concrete on it. This is a worrying statement for me. If Stefan Tur was definitely, definitely 100% going to return to the team in 2022, would Rooney not have just said, you know, Stefan, yes, he will be back once he gets over his injury or whatever it is that he has is up with him no one seems to know and yes i know we don't have a right to know what the situation is with stefan if it's his mental health you know i, I sympathize massively with the man losing his brother you know losing any family member is a huge thing you know presley harvin lost his dad and his grandmother this season and has had that to deal with and it is a major thing and we all grieve in different ways i fully accept that but the situation with stefan too it has to be resolved whether it's the knee injury and if it is why isn't he rehabbing it to the extent that he can be back and how serious is it and if it's too serious is it time for him to go time for him to retire or give up the fact that we're paying this man a massive contract he's the third highest cap hit on this team third highest cap hit massive you know he is just behind tj and um cam haywood in terms of cap hit i think it was nine and a half million he was paid last season for doing absolutely nothing um the D-line, obviously, is vital. We've always been renowned as a team with one of the best defensive lines in football. Our defence is fearsome. If you think back to the Steel Curtain D-line of L.C. Greenwood, Mean Joe Green, um, Mad Dog White and Fats Holmes, we had one of the best D-lines in, in the era of Brit Blitz. Blitzberg as well we've had one of the best D-lines some great defensive line players whether that's Big Snack or whoever that is some quality quality players on the defensive line the defensive line suffered having to use depth pieces as starters now with the greatest will in the world the likes of Montrevious Adams Chris Wormley Isaiah Bugs, Carlos Davis when he was fit Henry Mondo did the best job they could do but their depth pieces, they don't have the talent of Alu who was out injured all season, or mm -hmm. Stefan Tuit, who we still don't know, obviously, what the situation is with Stefan Tuit. Now, obviously, the situation around Stefan Tuit will, will really sort of um, mould and shape what is going to happen with our defensive line. Now, if you look at the defensive line at present, it was dreadful last year at stopping the run it was the worst in franchise history for stopping the run this the worst in franchise history there has never been a worse defensive defense or defensive line for stopping the run than the one we had last season now if to it is back it would give us a, a starting d line of hayward to it and alu given the fact that we have that three four defensive formation then, after that, you'd have depth pieces like Chris Wormley, Isaiah Loudermilk, Montrevious Adams if he's re-signed, Carlos Davis, Henry Mondeau, players of that calibre. That's good depth. That's decent when you've got those three as your starters. Bringing in the likes of Wormley and Loudermilk, who is developing, I think, had a good season, despite the fact that we probably weren't meant to see him last year. With all the injuries... Um, and obviously the COVID and everything else, we had to see him play. And I think he did a pretty, mm -hmm. pretty good job, to be honest with you. 
Um, so if we could, if Tuit comes back, obviously, then the defensive line isn't as big of an issue as it could be because of his talent. You know, Stefan is an absolute beast of a man. He is a quality player. You know, if you look at Stefan Tuit's stats from his career, 34 and a half with the Steelers, 34 and a half sacks, 246 combined tackles, 176 solo tackles, 48 tackles for a loss, 94 QB hits. Um, you know, 11, last year, he had a career, you know, in 2029, last year, in 2020, he had a career year with 11 sacks. You know, Stefan Tuitt is a major, major defensive piece. He is a quality defensive lineman. I mean, can you imagine that defensive line with Hayward, Alu Alu, and Tuitt with Highsmith and what either end coming through off that those four linebackers causing havoc in that backfield it is scary it's the stuff of nightmares for quarterbacks and offensive lines throughout the afc nfc and especially the afc north um they would be able to therefore turn uh, joe burrow into their rag doll their plaything and put him where he deserves to be on the ground now if two is not back let's Let's say that he um, is not unable to return, whether it be for mental health reasons or whether he wants to just give up playing football. His heart's no longer in it after the death of his brother or whether it's that his uh, knee injury has still not recovered to that extent. And we have to, unfortunately, cut to it. First of all, to save money on the cap space. Second of all, we can't afford to have him sat for another season getting paid nine and a half, ten million pounds for doing absolutely nothing. It, unfortunately, in this world, we have to accept that this is a business and not a charity, something that we often hear in the real world of business. So if to it goes, then that makes the draft and the free agent market a very different one. We've therefore got to spend money on free agency to bring in a, possibly bring in a defensive lineman or look to the draft to bring in a high quality player to play alongside Alu Alu and Haywood. My personal preference would be to obviously bring in a free agent, an experienced, talented free agent, someone who is going to be of high standard, high quality to help us sort this run defense out because it is a major, major issue. Teams were just running on us for fun last season, you know, getting upwards of 200 yards every single time. Running backs, you know, like Darwin Cook of the Vikings were having field day against us. You know, even backup running backs like um, the Seattle Seahawks like, uh, backup like running back whose name escapes me for the moment. He had a field day again against us in that game at Heinz Field. The only team that didn't seem to be able to run the ball against us, rather comically, were the Cleveland Browns, the much vaunted and they were the much vaunted running attack of Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So this D-line issue is going to be a massive one for us. We really do need to find out what is happening with Stefan it before we make any decisions. Obviously, you know, the offensive line is a huge thing. And no matter who the quarterback is, whether that be Mason or whether we get a rookie or a free agent, they're going to get killed behind the present offensive line. Okay, and nothing is going to improve with the running game and nothing is going to improve with the passing game. And the offense just is not going to make any steps forward. Then this defensive line is going to be a major, major thing. We've got to find out what is happening with Stefan to it. It is an absolute key to this offseason in terms of drafting and free agency. If he is back, it helps take the pressure off and gives us frees up some draft capital and some free agent capital to go and get other 
other players get players for other positions around our franchise like for example offensive line cornerback wide receiver a backup running back of standard and quality to play behind Najee to spell Najee to give Najee a bit of a rest because Benny Snell certainly is not the answer Kalen Balaj is a free agent and Anthony McFarlane does not seem to be the answer given the fact that he was a healthy scratch on a number of occasions last season when we could have done with someone to come in and give Najee that rest that he needed, given about how much he touched the ball in that season. Um, so at the end of the day, this is going to be huge for us. What is going to happen with Stefan to it? Um, so moving on, you know, um, other thing as well, the one positive, I suppose, of the Bengals getting into the Super Bowl was that uh, DJ and Najee are now going to the Pro Bowl in place of Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase. Um, you know, I think Harris probably deserved to go anyway, given the season that he's had as a rookie. You know, he finished with 10 TDs, the second amongst rookies, behind only Jamar Chase, who had 13. He had that 1,200 rushing yards, which is the fourth most in the NFL. And I think where you've got to think about that, he was fourth in the NFL, NFL with 1,200 yards behind that absolutely god-awful offensive line. If you look at the players that were headed, the likes of Jonathan Taylor, for example, um, they had a lot better offensive lines to run behind, therefore meaning they gained more yards. Put Najee Harris behind a better offensive line. Oh my goodness, how many yards would he have got? You know, it could have been upwards of nearly 2,000 yards rushing. So, fantastic there. In terms of... Um, his passing performance, he was 467 passing yards, which gave him a total of 1,667 yards from scrimmage in total. Absolutely awesome. And DJ Deontay Johnson was, in terms of him, 107 um, receptions from 169 targets, a 63% um, complete uh, Catch rate with 1,161 yards, highest in his career, eight TDs, which was tied 10th in the NFL. He certainly had a career year last year, although he did finish very poorly and was a bit more Deontay Dropson than Deontay Johnson um, once the weather starts to turn cold. So it's nice to see that those two are going to the Pro Bowl to join TJ and Cam in that Pro Bowl to make the Pro Bowl slightly more bearable to watch. Um, you know, the Pro Bowl in the NFL doesn't seem to carry the same kudos and the same standards as the All Star game in the NBA or the All star game in the nhl um for definite now in terms of uh moving forward as i've mentioned you know a lot of what we do over this off season depends on um what happens to it what happens with certain appointments um, and what we can do in free agency and the draft at the present the Steelers have what well, are projected to have somewhere around about 33 million in cap space which is probably the most we've had in recent years we've usually been um, up against it in terms of the cap now I believe that we can make more cap space if we cut and got rid of some players that we don't really need or don't justify the contracts they're on. Um, I was reading an article on Behind the Steel Curtain during the week about this where they identified some players that we could get rid of to create more cap space. Um, and I'd like to share some of those ideas with you. So you know, thank you for Behind the Steel Curtain. I think it was Michael Beck who identified these players as being the most cuttable players. First one was Joe Schobert, who would be, if we got rid of him, it would save $7.834 million. I don't think Joe Schobert has lived up to the promise that he was talked of coming in. Um, I think we could probably find a better 
uh, linebacker to complement Devon Bush in the, the draft. Someone like Devon Lloyd, for instance, or Asamoa or Muma, someone of like that, or Christian Harris in the draft, or we go out in free agency and get someone in free agency. The only way I would see Joe Sherbert coming back is if he would expect that if he would restructure his deal to to have a much more team friendly deal. But certainly saving seven point eight three four million would be a good move for the Steelers. You know, given that that, that at present that Joe Sherbert would be on that contract one of the highest paid linebackers in the NFL, and I don't think he justifies being one of the highest paid linebackers in the NFL. He certainly isn't in that top percentage. So, in terms of uh, other players, Zach Banner. Zach Banner, for me, has been an absolute waste of space this year. He's either been injured or ill the whole year. You know, $5 million is a lot to pay for a tackle eligible. Uh, you know, I, I just think that it's time to say thank you and goodbye to Zach Banner. I think, you know, we could use the draft to get, or the free agency to go out, free agency to get someone like, for instance, like Armstead or Brandon Scherf or, or someone of that caliber. And then in the draft, look at the likes of Charles Cross, Bernard Raymond, um, Daniel Falale, the Australian beast, someone like that, bringing those in, those sorts of players in onto offensive line in place of Zach Banner, who are five million is far too big a cap hit for the amount he contributes to this this franchise. Derek Watt at 2.75 million. Yes, I know he contributes well on special teams, he's a special teams captain, but for me, does not contribute anywhere near enough to the offense as a fullback to justify that salary. Again, we could restructure it, cut that, cut it down a little bit, or we get rid of him to save 2.75 million. Joe Haig, would he be missed? Probably not. He would save 2.6 million. Um you know, that again would be, a, I think, a, a step forward. Yes, you know, he's got the experience, but again, I think we could find talent on through free agency or through the draft to replace him, especially when you consider the offensive line needs a major, major off, uh, overhaul, huge overhaul, and I think that would involve getting rid of a large number of the offensive line. Obviously, I've mentioned to it before at the start. Majority of my podcast has been talking about Stefan to it. If we were to cut to it, it would save nine point zero five million against the cap next year. Um, you know, I'd prefer to keep to it, given the guy's talent. But obviously, a lot depends on where he's at with that knee, knee injury or and his mental health around the death of his brother. If we did that, it would move our space cap space from uh, these figures from Michael Beck. I think it is behind the steel curtain from thirty three million to sixty point. 2 million um, and I think that would be obviously give us a beneficial way to go and address the plethora of needs we have at places like O-line, D-line, inside linebacker, cornerback given the fact we could well lose Akella Witherspoon and Joe Hayden and obviously quarterback uh, huge obviously issue there so that's the main bits and pieces that have come to my mind this week um, in Steeler Nation um, I hope to be obviously putting out some more pods this week talking about other things if there's anything you want me to cover off or talk about on my podcasts then hit me up at eSteelerNation or join my Facebook group Britsburg Voice from Across the Pond or send me a friend request Britsburg Owen David or join my Instagram page Britsburg Owen or even come along line onto my youtube account which is britsburg a voice from across the pond so many areas on social media to get in touch drop me an email at odpuk78 
Dealer Nation, of Nation 78 at gmail.com. So lots of places to get in contact. I want to thank you again for listening. Um, really feel like this media platform that I'm really trying to push and work on is developing and getting bigger and better. And I thank you all out there in Steeler Nation for your ongoing support. Um, let's finish as we always do with, here we go, Steelers. <laughs>